Hey there, and welcome to the Social at Cafe podcast. This is a light-hearted educational series fueled by coffee and conversation, where we answer the question, what is social work? So go brew your favorite drink, tell everyone you are doing some professional development, and come join me, Dr. B, in the Social Work Cafe. Okay, hello and welcome, Belinda or Dr. B. How you doing? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? Good. You got your fabulous cup of coffee. We were. I have. Mm-hmm. I have come well prepared. I could hardly come for a conversation about coffee and social work without my coffee, so I'm oh. ready to roll. In your Care Bears mug, I just need to paint I, that picture for our audience, by the yes. way. Is that the one I got you? This is one my sister bought me, actually. Oh, Sel- yeah, self-care bears. It's got all of the lovely things that we should be doing uh, to maintain our self-care. I, I love it. It's my favourite millennials, that's, there's so much nostalgia there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> there is. It is my favourite mug. I'd yeah. rather wash it than get another one. That's where we're at. So you know when <laughs> somebody who hates dishes would rather wash it just to get the coffee in the same mug again. That's how much it means to you. <laughs> that's oh, how I much love I love this mug. <laughs> oh, Melinda, you are one of my favourite people to talk coffee, to talk social work. And I just knew you'd be perfect for this conversation today. The reason why I wanted to have a conversation with someone about getting social workers and students to be passionate about aging sector or working with, you know, older people is because I think some people balk at it. I know I did as a student. I've come across when I lecture other students who are like, oh, old people, but they're, you know, we're all going to age our parents age you and I have been you know directly involved in the aging sector over the last couple of years with some of our own family members it's such important work and you are one of the most passionate people I know who can talk about this so let's access that passion now but start by telling us about your social work background you've been an academic like myself for quite a number of years but you actually have quite an extensive practice background in mental health but also working with elderly. So yeah, take us through that. First jobs in social work were actually in the disability sector. That was where I started out. So during, like while I was actually still at university, I did a bit of support work kind of roles and I was a case manager and I did some project work uh, looking at bringing rural people together who had needed to access disability support services. And so that was actually where I started out, which I loved. And I I look back with horror at the terminology we used. My particular areas (laughs) of interest and expertise were kind of, guess what is now known as challenging behaviours? And I know you can all cringe at me for even saying that out loud, but you know, <laughs> I was fascinated with the kinds of things that we were able to do to try and help people's ways that they could access life easier, you know, when mm-hmm. there were different challenges. And I think for me, that kind of sparked my interest in mental health, which is where most of my practice experiences were. I loved mental health. It was always the thing that I'd wanted to do throughout my uh, social work course. And it was the thing that I loved the most in practice. So I worked in various different ways, but I worked primarily in community-based mental health for most of my practice, doing outreach to little rural communities and uh, doing some work with the inpatient and the rehabilitation units. But um, yeah, mental health. It was a very happy mental health practitioner. How I've ended up quite as an aging social work academic, yes, I'm not kidding. How? <laughs> <laughs> that was not on the plan. <laughs> I uh, look my twins were born in 2007 and so that was a real turning point for me so mm-hmm. I loved mental health loved it with a passion like it was a, an amazing field that I got a lot out of but it involved an awful lot of on-call work and so I used to do you know 
I was a social worker that would get called to the hospital or the police station at 2am, 3am when things were going wrong, you know, for people and which was great, but it wasn't work. I could sustain with two tiny babies at home. And so I decided to resign and I had all these grand ideas that I'd be a stay-at-home mum and that did not, like, that was just not my jam. Like, I yep. am not I cannot imagine that. that. No. <laughs> and Definitely so the not. kids are probably 18 months old and I had a phone call from um, the uni where I had actually studied my undergrad and they asked me to come back and do a bit of casual work teaching in mental health and, and doing nice. that. That was La Trobe University, wasn't it? It was La Trobe, yeah. 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 So I was from La Trobe. I did my Bachelor of Social Work at La Trobe in the late 90s, graduated in 2000 <laughs> and, um, and loved it. So I'd always kind of, I guess, kept in touch. I supervised students on a field placement uh, and, you know, did guest lectures and things. But yeah, I went back and started out as a sessional like you're doing some casual work as an academic and like so many actually yeah. like that's a, such a similar story at CSU yeah. like I started actually as a sessional and and then it just one thing leads to another and you're like oh my gosh I'm doing a PhD was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where the aging bit came in I actually had a an amazing woman that I worked with who was on the the campus am I allowed to name drop Professor Jenny Warburton the woman is an actual legend who works in gerontology and I just knew if I was going to be doing a PhD she was a person I wanted to work with you know I just I loved her approach to working with older adults and it was so different you know I think I would have sold my soul to any field of practice to have the chance to work with her she just happened to be a gerontology so we're lucky that Jenny came along yeah. at the Jenny right time along. to get you get you inspired yeah. oh so, right yeah. I had no idea but that wasn't my thing either like and you're absolutely right I think a lot of social workers and social work students particularly I hear it on repeat I've, I've heard it ever since I did I was a field yeah. education coordinator way back when at La Trobe oh. and consistently students would be like, oh, I just don't want to work with old people. And I didn't, and disability, that was the other one. That, you know, That's the would, two I come yeah. across, yeah. And yet Constantly. I started like you in disability, yeah. which was really good for my development. Yeah. Actually, I think that the, the interesting thing about it is that every single time I've met somebody who's said that, but then gone and had a try, they've loved it. They've found that there's amazing people, interesting work. And I think mm. if you talk to most people in social gerontology, we didn't set out to come into aging, but it's fascinating. It's interesting. There are amazing people doing really cool things in the aging and, and gerontology kind of space. And so, yeah, it was, um, I guess for me, it was an accident. I I was doing a PhD and now I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I just love it. Well, you are doing absolutely amazing research and I'm now supervising a student in that yes. space with you which is new for me and, and very, very exciting. And yeah, it's not an area I expected to go into it either, mm. but I am now like, yes, this is amazing. So I guess I'm curious, like particularly those students and yourself, what was it that they discovered that changed their attitudes and got them excited about working in the sector? I think it's that people often, um, and consistently I've heard this this narrative, not only for social workers, but more broadly in allied health and, and nursing and other mm. kind of disciplines, people think about ageing, they think about aged care facilities. So they're thinking about residential aged care. They're having this kind of idea that working with older adults means working in some kind of facility like that. And for most people who've had any kind of experience in those sorts of facilities, 
they're not fabulous. Um, you know, often people yeah. are there because they're at their end of life. They might have something like dementia or other cognitive deficits. They might have issues with continence or with frailty. Yeah, or personal care. And, you know, and it can be really, really complex and it's often end of life. So people really associate that as being aging and aged care. And the, the funny thing is that's like five or six percent of older adults really? that we're talking about. It's like it's so ridiculously that is small. So small. Most people are aging. Like you and I, we're living in the community, connected to our families, we're out and about doing these things. And older adults are no different. They're accessing mainstream health services, they're accessing mainstream welfare supports, and yeah. they're in interacting with all of the various aspects of community life as we do at every other age, right up until like later life and death. And so that tiny five or 6% seems to be kind of what people think of first. Mm. They're not thinking about all everybody else, all of the rest of the other 95% of, of older adults who are just out there doing life, accessing supports. And I don't know, I think we need to broaden the, broaden the blinkers a little bit to think about yeah. what we mean when we talk about aging and aged care. And I think... I mean, I'm just thinking even broader now as you're, you're talking, you know, I mean, looking at our culture mm. um, and living in a capitalist culture and a youth-oriented culture, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the misperceptions also come from that kind of, you know, we, we favour youth and oh, we want to always look or be young and that's yeah. just not the case. No, look, ageism is rampant. It really is. Mm. I mean, and we see it in so many ways and it's subtle. You know, I think that if you think about all of the kind of the ways that media portrays older adults yeah. or, you know, we're encouraged to think about anti-wrinkle creams and dyeing our hair if it goes grey and <gasps> fighting oh, back against these mm. kind of societal norms. And this is, I think, where we've all been socialised into thinking ageing is bad. Avoid well, it at all you, costs. Did you hear the story, like, on Queen Elizabeth's death certificate, they wrote her cause of death as aging old age yeah as if like dying from aging is like it's a disease like yeah no I don't even get me started I thought you'd find that interesting and I think that this is kind of this there's just far too much of this idea that aging is just some sort of pathway to death like I mean older adults are doing such incredible things and doing so many things to contribute to society and I think that social work in an aged care setting is actually super rare because because of the nature of privatisation in the aged care sector. They yes. very rarely fund social work positions in aged care settings. The vast majority of them don't actually have social workers employed in them. So this idea, I guess, that that's what you'll do if you want to work in ageing and social work is so far from the reality of where social workers yes. are actually working in ageing. And, I yeah, I think if I could change one thing, it would be that. It would be helping the both the aged care sector to understand the value that we can offer in that space, but also that misconception that that's kind of what mm. we're talking about when we talk about older adults. I would change the privatisation of the sector. I just think that's been the big, like, end of life and beginning of life should not be privatised. That's just something. Let's let's park that, though. That's a big conversation. But, yeah, so, okay, I I agree with you. Addressing misperceptions Mm. is absolutely crucial. So tell us, then, what are some of the common roles that that social workers can be doing in the sector or or just more broadly, I, I think, what the point also you're getting to is regardless of most of the places you work, unless you're working, say, specifically in child and youth, you're very likely to work 
with aging people anyway. Absolutely. Our and we need to be prepared for that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Older adults are everywhere. You know, this idea that I don't want to work with older adults is it's unavoidable unless you are exactly in, in specific youth or child really services. A niche criteria. Area. And even then, you know, if you're working in child protection, there is a really strong chance that kinship care is going to involve grandparents oh. caring for children. You know, there are going to be a whole range of ways that you're still going to be interacting because families live much longer lives. We see we're at a time in our life where population aging isn't just about people living longer lives, it's actually changing the makeup of our family structures. So instead of having just one or two generations or three at most kind of alive at once, we're seeing these real beanpole structures now where you know kids are growing up with their great grandparents still alive. And so, you know, we're kind of having a lot more older adults embedded in all aspects of the family structure, you know, in caregiving roles and in their contributions to different things that they do. So absolutely, I I think you're right. You know, when we say, I don't want to work with older adults, well, if you work in a hospital setting or if you work in a community health setting, if you work in any kind of, you know, community-based practice, really, odds are you're going to be working with older adults. Yes, yeah. Actually, probably hospitals is one of the most common areas that you are going to come across because there's usually a higher proportion of older adults in hospitals and sometimes for a longer period of time depending on what's going on with them in terms of like if they're at a stage where they're being assessed to go into an age you know residential facility or or things like that so that's really we have to be really up to speed in, in working with older adults in that setting what are what are some other common areas that um or roles that social workers can do especially other ones around social justice and advocacy and absolutely yeah oh, really yeah we see there's some amazing stuff coming out now that's really fighting back against the embedded ageism that's happening oh. we're seeing some really great things around and, and this kind of some of the advocacy also works in with policy work in that space as well so we're sort of seeing much more of social workers kind of getting in there and fighting some of the legislation that's problematic in terms of creating like I'm thinking about kind of things like the traditional forced retirement age kind of stuff and oh, the way gosh, that, is that still around well these sorts of the sorts of things I think people have been pushing back yeah. social workers have been involved in trying to push back against those sadly Australia isn't as strong at having critical social workers in and gerontology in quite the same way that like the UK and the US has it's it's a flag I wave loudly oh, that's in tree I didn't know that yeah but I think for me you know that systemic stuff that's the social work bread and butter you know we should be not just looking at older adults as an age group which is I think what happens you know we don't we kind of like you said you know you look at younger people we look at adults as this enormous huge raft of people and people who are 22 are not the same as people who are 50. Like the idea that adulthood can go across, but then somehow you turn this magical older age <laughs> and you get some new set of things. People, it's, it's no different to any other stage of the life course, you know, and social workers I think should be brave at going forward and thinking it's about the same core set of skills. You know, if we look mm. at social determinants of health, you know, the way that somebody experiences aging is hugely impacted by everything from even before they were born, their family's socioeconomic status, their yeah. access to education, access to healthcare, all the way through their life is going to make a huge difference to the way that they experience aging and later life. And so we're still addressing those same social justice issues, equity issues, access issues, financial issues, you know, all of that stuff that you're doing 
with young people, with adults, in mental health care, in, you know, whatever sector you're in, it really isn't any different. It's a different age demographic. And so I I guess that that's kind of one of the things that's really tricky is that people think about aging as being some sort of deficit focused. It's all about, you know, sickness and death and deficit. And I, I think that that's, you know, problematic because people are really still trying to interact and engage and connect with community and live their best lives in whatever capacity they can. It's no different to everybody else at every other stage of their life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me think that a strengths perspective is something that social work can also offer in addition to like a critical social work approach where we are fighting against any injustices and contributing, I think, to shifts that are underway in broader society. I don't know about you, but I love Ita Buttrose, who she's currently the chair of the, of the Australian broadcasting company at the ABC here in Australia, in case we have any international listeners, but she has just been such a staunch advocate for changing perception. She's like, I I can't remember how old she is. And she's like, I have no plans to retire because I'm doing what I love. And and that is an attitude that is starting to just filter across, you know, we're, we're, we're changing our perceptions about what even retirement means, but yeah, just aging in general. And, and, and hopefully we can just add to that as social workers by bringing a strengths perspective. I think that, you know, that combination of particularly the private sector, not really valuing the role of social work in it. I just don't think that they understand what we do. I think that is problematic. I had a student a couple of years back, did her honours project and was asking a whole lot of residential aged care facilities whether they had a social worker employed and not one of them did, not one, over mm. you know 50 or 60 odd services that she spoke to. And Interestingly, the most common comment that came back was, oh, no, we've got, you know, like a lifestyle coordinator who does that, you know, somebody who organises social activities, like they they take people to coffee shops or that takes four years of study, doesn't it, to do that work. I think that that kind of misunderstanding more broadly about the value of social work so you paying a social support coordinator in a facility to run activities and compared to paying a qualified social worker to do a whole range of completely different things I think sometimes they're not seeing the value because we don't do well at at really promoting what we do and what our capacity is to contribute to that space so I imagine like we've talked about advocacy and and the yeah, some of the roles we could do. And this conversation makes me also think of case management being another real important contribution because the sector, when you, when I know we're talking about, you know, we've got older adults, I'm just thinking of my own parents here when they had to start navigating certain specific services for themselves, like my aged care, it's complex. Honestly, my mum is probably a far better case manager than I ever could have been because she has had to do it throughout our whole lives from Centrelink when we were getting youth allowance. Now she's getting, and it's just amazing the the amount of complexity that's in the system. And I imagine there are social workers employed in organisations who would, yeah, play an important role in, in helping people to navigate and that. that- that kind of case management sort of role has become increasingly important with the individualization of care and care funding. You know, I think it's one of the things that we've seen increasingly over the years. And and again, it comes back to that kind of the systemic stuff, the issues of privatization is that instead of buckets of money going to organizations now, people are often individually funded under their home care packages. It's like what the NDIS is trying to do. Yeah. And which is, 
you know, it's it's a bit of a bugbear, so I'll try and keep it brief and not jump on my soapbox. But <laughs> it's sort of the, I guess for me, it's it's a problematic because I think absolutely we need to be making much bigger steps and greater steps at people being able to have choice and the capacity to make decisions about what is going to be best for their care needs in later life. No two people, no two families are the same. And so what people need is different. So a one size fits all kind of the old school model definitely needed to be shaken up. And I think the problem with it is, is that in some ways though, it's kind of gone I don't know that too far is the right word. It's gone down a funny pathway, which has often meant that people, and this I see this particularly for people in rural areas where geographic distance is a problem. You get the same bucket of money based on whatever level you're assessed as being eligible mm. for, for home care support. But if you live in a rural area, you're paying travel to get somebody out from a regional centre. And so what might have actually been money you could use for case management or you know, home care or personal care or whatever it might be that would help you to be able to continue to stay safely and happily at home can get chewed up in the travel costs of actually getting the professionals out to you. And so I think it's the the fact that organisations no longer have those kind of that little bit of pooling of money, that flexibility that we used to see in these regional centres where people could kind of go, you know what, we've got a lot of informal carers in this area let's set up a carers group or let's set up, Mm. you know, some kind of innovative activity where people can come together or let's, you know, address this problem in a way that meets the unique needs of our rural community. There's much less of that able to happen now because of entirely individualised funding models. So that's a good point. So that also underlines the potential for community development um, kind of responses. So that's another thing that social work can try to address or work towards. Okay, so, all right, what advice would you give to our listeners then about becoming passionate about working with older adults? I'd say give it a try. I mean, I know that sounds so ridiculously simplistic, but I've, I'm yet to come across somebody who has actually had the opportunity to work with older adults. He's come yeah. and gone, actually, that's really not for me. Most of the people in the gerontology community that I love and know and have worked with None of them set out as kind of fresh-faced new social workers or allied health or whatever they were doing to, and kind of went, my goal is to work with older people. That's really my jam and that's what I want to do. We all accidentally find ourselves in these roles. And then you never leave. And love it. (laughs) The gerontology community is, it just brings me so much joy. Like I have had... Um, you know, I don't know what it is. And I, I work a lot still. And, and again, increasingly, my job these days, my focus, I guess, is coming back full circle, really. And I'm focusing much more on the mental health of older adults. And so I'm kind of getting to do much more of my mental health stuff again. And you know, mental health is great. And I love the people that I work with in that space. But the gerontology community are just something else, you know. It They're is a lot of fun. They are so much fun. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was so unexpected. When I first went to my first gerontology conference, I remember thinking, oh, I'm not going to know anybody. These people are going to be like watching paint dry. Like how on <laughs> earth am I going to cope with this? And I just had the most incredible few days meeting extraordinary people and laughing and learning and sharing. And I think that gerontology really for me, it it showcases what multidisciplinary work really can be when it's done well. I think that often when I was in mental health, it was very hierarchical. You know, the strong medical focus meant that I spent my entire career in practice as a mental health social worker 
fighting against the system that I was in. It mm. just felt like an endless battle to That's justify exhausting. my existence. You know, I was like some sort of, oh, I don't know what she does, but it's not quite what we do as nurses, but she does it's something. Different. She has a funny phone book full of everybody's contact details because she thinks it's important to know people and <laughs> know what everybody does. And, you know, my little black book was the most valuable resource in the whole damn service, but it was <laughs> <laughs> you know, people didn't understand it. I worked in a team of psychiatric nurses. And yeah. so then and the you know, the psychiatrists were hierarchical, the GPs were hierarchical. It just always felt like I was constantly trying to justify what I knew was valid and it was making a real difference in people's mm. lives. And I loved doing that. Whereas I find gerontology isn't quite like that. Like, yes, we do have geriatricians. And of course, in like in every field, there are occasional egos and there are occasional people who don't play well in teams, but it's rare, much rarer than I've ever seen That's in any other field. People see the value that you bring to that puzzle piece. And so our research is collaborative and it tries to look outside the square and it tries to find innovations that draw on the expert knowledge of all of the disciplines that are involved instead of having a dominant discipline who's who is seen to have all of the knowledge and yeah. the rest of us are kind of you know add-ons to that that's a that different culture it yeah. is it's so culturally different and I love that that's really what yeah. you know I love teams that's what I, I think a lot of social workers love it you is. know what I love your point though yes it might sound simple but actually it's very powerful like it is yeah. just be open-minded maybe yes. even start by going off to a gerontology conference and <laughs> checking it out for don't yourself. forget to go to the conference dinner because you will have to dance your way into the inner circles of gerontology (laughs) you and you often have messaged me and um and we'll do that in our little group chat about you know networking via a bottle of wine at at gerontology conferences never underestimate the skills of a social worker with a (laughs) bottle of wine and her networks I know this is all about you and your expertise but something that's just come out for me that you've reminded me of Belinda is just how cool older adults can be especially when they retire like uh, our colleagues Wendy Bowles and Heather Boetto who who did a small research project on environmental social work but among older adults what they were found it was a small project but I just see this is particularly in old in social workers who retire they become even more radical you know and wanting to fight systems and get involved into local community stuff and they found that when they were doing their research and that is always stuck with me that as, as a way of addressing that misperception about older adults so look, we just wanted to throw that in there we're at a peak time for that at the moment Bernie it's one of those totally. things where if you look at the baby boomers coming they've been movers and shakers since forever exactly. they, they were like sitting the back. original student <laughs> protesters like so getting back to their roots hopefully our older group of older adults that we've got coming through right now and they are not sitting back on their laurels and just kind of sipping tea and staring at sunsets they're out there being the changes that they want to see and look honestly yeah. my other advice I would say apart from giving it a try you should all be super invested in this hopefully if we're lucky enough we are all going to become older adults at some point in time exactly so I think that everybody has a vested interest in the system being better in the services and supports exactly. being better, in the attitudes towards valuing older adults and their contributions the western way of conceptualizing aging is really broken and so I think that this idea of re connecting with the value of the experiences, the wisdom, the amazing stories. You know, people didn't just wake up one day old. These are people who have lived long and rich lives through amazing things, amazing historical times, extraordinary 
things that have happened and they're just bloody interesting. Like, <laughs> yes. Else. And I we need to that. value them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if it's not just the, the joy of working with older adults themselves, I think that the key thing to take away for me would be that my work isn't often, apart from as research participants, my work often isn't directly with older adults. It's for me, I'm a systems person. I love yeah, me too. fixing systems. I, I love trying to understand how system pieces work together and the impact that our systems are having on the experience of aging. And so for me, I think, you know, you don't have to be a social worker who's working in direct practice with older adults. There are so many other yeah. really interesting ways to get involved in this sector and to make a real difference. Difference, you know, and to be able to be kind of <laughs> to fix the system for the people now and for us in and the future. It will take decades to fix <laughs> this will. system. So if you're like our age, we'd be like, no, like we got to get on to this. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> so, well, with that in mind, you were saying earlier, a lot of particularly the residential facilities, a yeah. lot of whom are, are privatized, they don't understand what social work is. Yeah. So that brings me, I think, nicely to my last question the one sentence answer and I think if we have that in mind like the residential facility or just in general Mm. what what's your response to well what is social work one sentence wow you are pushing it I am (laughs) have another sip of coffee my dear make sure you're properly caffeinated for this I think I'm gonna need a big sip I think for me social work is the only profession that really considers all people entirely within their context, both the impact of people's systems on them and, you know, the way I guess that they impact all of the people and systems around them. So it's these individualised, it's not one sentence, I'm sorry, these individualised models, they, they're not, people exist in environments, you know. So for me, I think social work understands how people exist in their environments which I other professions that. don't yeah. do. Sorry, I got to no, my no. one sentence eventually. It was a bit circular. <laughs> I reckon we could chop some of that together and I will when I edit, like when I write up for the blog post or something as well. Like I want to keep everything you just said because I think that's really beautiful. The first bit that you said really struck me because no one else has said that yet is we're the only profession who, and I was just like, oh, that sounds tantalising. Should I repeat my one sentence starting with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds like you're saying we're the only profession that really takes into consideration people within their, you know, context or systemic context. Absolutely. And I think that that's really key. You know, a lot of other professions have their own particular bent, whether it be a medical or a physical or a physiological of some bodily part or, you know, how many yeah. people come together to understand aging? It's often quite singular view. You know, people think about you know, like a a physiotherapist might be thinking about the mechanics of the body as it ages Mm. and the way it happens. And a podiatrist might be focusing on falls prevention and mobility in later life. And, you know, we kind of look at all of the different professions and the way that they come at it and they have their worldview. Social work is the only profession who comes together to sort of say, okay, there are so many different things that are impacting on this person the things that have led them to this point in life at the moment and also mm. the things that are going to experience their decisions and their care in later life. And let's look at all of those things. We're trying it, to put all those perspectives yeah. together. But like, we have emphasis on the social context too absolutely. because that's often what yeah. is missing, you know, when, when you're working with your psychiatrist, yes. our nurse team or, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Love it, love it, love it. That's, I think, absolutely a perfect way to end and, You've definitely convinced me, Belinda, to want to work. If I have, if I do decide to leave academia, 
I will be looking for a job, I think, to work with older adults. Like you said, it's, yeah, your passion is just so infectious. So I cannot thank you enough. Hey, the other upside to all of this is if, if all these social workers are out there saying, I don't want to work in order, there is so many more jobs available for you out there. You will never be out of work That's if you're working with older adults. That's the other part of the definition, <laughs> I think, too, isn't it? Like, there's just, we've got so many great career options. We so, have, yeah. Yeah. All right, Belinda, thank you so much for joining me in the cafe and hopefully we can have you back again another time to talk on another great passion of yours, whatever that may be. Amazing. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me, Bernadette. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today and I hope you enjoyed the episode. You are most welcome to get in touch and tell me what you gained from the show. You'll find my website details and email in the episode notes. Be sure to check out the notes for other links that you can follow up for further learning and development. While you are there, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the next episode. And feel free to rate and review the podcast so we can reach a wider audience. See you next time in the Social Work Cafe.